0: You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I'm NCBA Senior Director of Policy Communications. And we're coming to you from deep inside the heart of Minnesota today in Brainerd, Minnesota. We are standing outside the US Fish and Wildlife Service Um, hearing on the gray wolf. I'm here with Tanner Beamer, Manager of Government Affairs for NCBA and Public Lands Council, Ashley Coles, the Executive Director of the Minnesota State Cattlemen's Association, and Joe Olebski, who is a producer from Kitson County, Minnesota. Folks, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ed. All right, Tanner. Let's start with you. What the heck are we doing here? What 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 led up to this, and 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 what is uh, what is the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service hoping to get out of this hearing today?
1: Sure. So anyone that lives in wolf country can tell you that this species, which was placed on the endangered species list in 1974, has been fully recovered for some time. They've exceeded population recovery goals, and their populations are really thriving across the entirety of their range. So the Fish and Wildlife Service, under the Trump administration, uh, a few months ago promulgated a proposed rule to delist this. species uh, it's building off of a, a proposed rule that began in the Obama administration in 2013. Uh, and there's an open comment period right now. And as part of that, the Fish and Wildlife Service has decided to host a, uh, an in-person meeting where they could receive public comment uh, from folks down here on the ground.
0: Okay. Now, Ashley, uh, Minnesota is sort of ground zero for the gray wolf. Um, they started off, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service started off the meeting with a, with a very informative sort of like backgrounder PowerPoint presentation where they went over the history of the gray wolf in this area and other parts of the country um, but really this nor- especially from here north in Minnesota um, has seen a lot of, of gray wolf activity especially in recovery over the last 20-30 years or so talk about the unique nature of, of the gray wolf in Minnesota and how that obviously impacts the cattle industry here
2: yeah, so Minnesota is actually home to the largest population of gray wolves in the lower 48. So uh, we do have have a number of wolves here, and we wholeheartedly believe that uh, the wolf is fully recovered here as well. Uh, where we're at right now, we're kind of at the southern end of wolf territory in Minnesota, um, but we're thrilled that this hearing is here uh, in Brainerd because uh, within an hour of here, uh, there's a lot of cattlemen that are, are highly impacted uh, by the gray wolf, um, but also folks who drove you know upwards of five hours to get here from the state of Minnesota uh, who are in uh, very high wolf country as well. So the the wolf range in Minnesota is vast um, and it's growing rapidly. There's an active wolf pack uh, within an hour of the cities. You know, so it's it's moving closer and closer to that population as well. So you know, we hear from cattlemen a lot about the issues that they're having uh, within their cow herds, and we heard from a feeder earlier uh, during this hearing about how that also impacts the the animals once they hit the feedlot. Uh, but we're also hearing from more and more folks about pets, right? As as these wolves move closer to uh, major metro areas, we're gonna hear more and more. About uh, Fluffy <laughs> um, being lost to a wolf, so um, you know we're gonna we're hopefully gonna see some results from this meeting, uh, from the public comments, uh, but also from all the cattlemen that are submitting comments online.
0: Yeah, I, I was also um, pleased to see that that they were having the hearing here as opposed to major metropolitan areas where people aren't necessarily directly impacted. And then, you know, as you said, there are people that got up and said, you know, yeah, you know, pets are disappearing. It's only a matter of time beco- before children are endangered um, as these, as these um, predators, and that's what they are, predators encroach on suburban areas. Um, but Joe, you live up uh, close to the Canada border, close to the North Dakota border, um, and you got up and told the story. Um, what, Just basically tell us what you told the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service at today's hearing.
3: Well, I've had trouble for many years, but the worst year I, I had trouble. Um, I they took one fourth of my calf crop. It was 26 calves that year. I come up short. Um, I had three different federal trappers in uh, until they caught a. a eight, they first they caught 84 pound. Then when they caught the 103 pound uh, male, they figured I was alpha And things uh, settled down after that. But in the meantime, I've got. I bought donkeys, they're supposed to be good for predator control, we had radios out there, we had flashing lights, uh, until they caught one, nothing, we moved the cattle right up by the yard, nothing seemed to work, but until they finally got what they thought was the alpha, and and when they started, with their survey, and I, I guess I'm putting faith in them, they know what they're talking about, they figured there was 12 to 15 in that pack, by the tracks and that, so. Um, I guess, uh, I I hope they get delisted, Uh, I'm getting to the, I guess I'm getting closer to a dirt nap, so, but there's a lot of young farmers up in our area, so I hope that they do something to help control them, And, and another thing, I live a mile from the Canadian border, and they have a, you can hunt wolves, well, as long as I can re- ever remember, and uh, it's like a few years ago, I talked to both my mother and my wife's mother are from Canada, so we've got a lot of relatives up there, and it was a $10 for a license, you can shoot as many wolves as you want at that time. It's maybe changed now, but if it's the same great gray wolf, I can't understand how on that side of the border you can hunt them legally, and on this side, you know, like I always laugh, I'd get less if I shot the warden. I mean, it's, it's just that it's, it's really pitiful that they don't understand the problem and just control them. I'm not in favor of getting rid of all of them. I grew up with wildlife my whole life, but control. That's all I'm asking is for control. All
0: right, and legal counsel is telling me that I should inform our listeners that no game wardens were harmed in the broadcast, <laughs> the, the production of this podcast. Um, now, Joe, you came a long way. Like People don't necessarily realize how big minnesota is until you're here and you start driving um how like why is it so important for you to make your voice heard because you could have filed comments online you could have written a letter you could have sent an email um you could have sent a text message as tanner's going to inform people in just a second why was it so important for you to drive all that? how far how far drive is that how long did that take you to get down here and you're getting ready to go back tonight too
3: right that's right. It it took us just a little less than five hours. Uh, like I said, I live right a mile from the Canadian border. Um, you know, sometimes you can put stuff down on paper, but until people see you, talk, and, and realize that you're a real human being and... and and if anybody's got question, they can call the sheriff department up there. I mean, they're involved in it. And the neighbors I had wonderful neighbors. I had a, I had a, well, he passed away, but a retired uh, crop duster. He would go up and fly every day and, and help look for him. I mean, everybody's really good, but the trappers were good. But until we got it under control, nothing helped unless it seemed like until... We got the big guy, and things settled down. And we know there was way more than that, you know. But
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for coming all this way, making your voice heard. Um, you know, it's easy to lose faith in sort of politics sometimes, but when you see somebody drive five hours each way just to stand up for a few minutes at a at a U.S. Fish and Wildlife hearing like this. Um, it really gives you hope. So, um, Tanner, for those who, who weren't able to attend today's hearing, um, it's not too late. Obviously, the, the comment period goes until July 15th, so they've got two plus weeks to get their comments in. How can they do that?
1: Right, yeah. So, for those folks that weren't able to be here in Brainerd with us today, and, you know, like you said, this is a, a great location. This is not my first public hearing, uh, but this is probably uh, the very unique in that sense because they really stri- strove to make this accessible to rural America and you know they still had to drive a long distance but this made it a lot easier for them to make it out you know take time out of their busy day to get here Um, but if you weren't able to make it out here to Minnesota and you would like to put your voice on the record then uh, the opportunity is still there to do it and we've made it very easy for you. You can use your mobile device and text DLIST to 52886. Uh, You can also visit policy.ncba.org. We've got a lot of different ways that you can get your voice on the record before the comment period closes on July 15th so get those comments in.
0: All right, thanks a lot. Tanner, Joe, Ashley, thanks again for joining us.
1: Thanks, Ed. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat beef. Get your comments in on the Gray Wolf. Check us out online at policy.ncba.org and follow us on Twitter at at Beltway Beef. Thanks for listening.